Hey there, this is Dustin McLean. And Allie McLean. And we're pumped that you're joining with us today. And if you're a part of our Purpose Church family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at ourpurpose.church on all social media outlets. And on our website at www.ourpurpose.church. We can get you plugged into a group, other giving options, and an opportunity to connect with the Purpose family all across Western Kentucky. And we hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. And so let's jump into the message. Amen. Amen. Before you're seated, can we give Jesus the loudest five seconds of worship that we've given him all week long? Come on, give it up for King Jesus in this place. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. Why don't you high five four people around you and say, good morning, good morning, welcome to church, welcome to church. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. I'm glad y'all are here. You can have a seat. Man, we're so thankful for you. I'm so glad that you're at church today. Is anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord today? I said, is there anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, we're in a series right now called What If. Everybody shout, What If? And we've been talking about some things, and I just want to first of all just welcome everybody that's here. And I'm so thankful that you're here. You could be anywhere else. And today is one of those topics that I know is going to be a little challenging for us, uh, but I'm just excited about what we're going to do as a church because, again, these are questions that a lot of people are asking, and yet what the church has been silent about for a long time. So if you've missed any of this series so far, our very first week we kicked it off, Pastor Kyle kicked it off by talking through what if I want to kill myself. And if you missed that, I would encourage you, go back, check it out, listen to it on the podcast or watch it online, whatever you, whichever way that you need to do that. But just get that inside of you because I'm telling you, it was an incredible sermon and just meant a lot to our church and I know a lot of you as well. And then last week, uh, we talked about this idea of what if I'm addicted to pornography? And I shared a little bit of my story, my struggle with that for years. And if you missed any of that, I would encourage you. To go back and check that out last week, um, uh, it's on the podcast and online as well. But this week, we're going to be just asking this question again. Here's what I want everybody to do right in this room right now. Everybody take a deep breath with me on three, one, two, three. And just blow it out. Right okay, I just felt good. We did it last week. Let's do it again right now. Just one more time. One more time. All right, that feels good. That feels nice. Because I want everybody to breathe in and just exhale a little bit. Because I know this is going to be a question that a lot of people may be asking. You may not be asking it for yourself. You may know somebody that struggles with this. You may have somebody in your family. Or this may be a question that you're asking. But I know our culture is asking this idea of what if I'm attracted to the same sex? What if I'm attracted to the same sex? And we're going to be a church that's, that's loud about what the Bible is loud about. We're going to be a church that talks about it that walks into the uncomfortable and says hey you know what let's get it out there let's talk about it let's not hide it under the rug and let's be a church that just communicates about it what the bible has to say and so here's I want to just start out by saying today really quick no matter who you are no matter where you come from no matter how long you've been there no matter what your struggle may be I want you to understand a few things number one is that you matter to God right, that you matter to God. I want you to know that, that God has a purpose for you, that God has a plan for you, that God has created you in his image, and he wants to use you to do incredible things for his glory. He wants a relationship with you. You matter to God. God, tap your neighbor, say, you matter to the Lord. Let's go ahead, let them know. 
Maybe you ain't heard that in a while. I want you to know you matter to God. I want you also to know as we start talking about this topic today that you matter to this church. Maybe you struggle with this question of what if I'm attracted to the same sex. I want you to understand you are, I am so glad you are at church. Like I'm so glad that you're here and you matter to this church. And then I just want to tell you that you matter to me. Like I, I care about you. And I care about your, 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 your life now, but I also care about your soul and I care about your eternity. And so that's why we're going to talk about this today. And I know what our culture says when it comes to this topic, right? The, the culture either says one of two things, right? You either alienate somebody that struggles with this or you affirm somebody that struggles with this, right? You either alienate or affirm, but I just believe that Jesus gave a third option, which is actually the best option, and we're going to talk about that today. Like, you think about the life of Jesus, right? I just think about him really quick. And you think about this life of Jesus, like there is a crazy paradox that Jesus is like living, his life, right? On one hand, you've got a guy that upholds the law to perfection, right? Like does everything right, every jot and tittle, Jesus himself, he is like perfect, okay? So, so when it comes to this standard of what God's law required, Jesus was like, yo, I am perfect. I uphold all of that. On one hand, that's how Jesus lived his life. On the other hand, isn't it crazy? to think about this life of Jesus that as Jesus was living there was nobody that has ever done it like Jesus when the fact that who was attracted to the people like who, who was attracted to Jesus it was people that broke every part of the law right what he upheld in perfection but he was attractive to so many people from all walks of life prostitutes and thieves and murderers and tax collectors and broken marriages and broken lifestyles isn't it wild to me that the men uphold the law to perfection at the same time on the other hand there are people that are so attracted to Jesus uh, that have broken every aspect of the law like just think about the last week of Jesus's life right think about the very last week of Jesus's life uh, on one hand you've got like the religious leaders and the pol political leaders and Jesus again had never done anything wrong never had broken any law yet it was the religious leaders that were trying to kill him and then that very same week it was a prostitute that dried his, uh, like that washed his feet with her tears and it was a thief on the cross next to Jesus that was defending Jesus. Can we talk about it? That's some wild stuff happening, okay? That's wild, but this is what I know. This is Jesus, right? This is Jesus. Even John talked about Jesus when he's talking about Jesus in his ministry. He said it like this in John 1:14. the word became flesh. We've all heard this verse before, right? The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us, and we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father. Watch what it says right here though, and this is what I want to just kind of just go at it today with. Full of grace, somebody say grace, grace. and truth. Somebody say truth. All right, so we got grace and truth. And I, I heard this, uh, this quote one time. Pastor Chris Hodges said it like this, and I loved it, and I want to pass it on to you. It's this idea that truth without grace is mean. Come on, somebody, right? Truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless, but truth and grace is good medicine. Come on, somebody, right? When we compare these two together, when we compare them together, I believe that we got some good medicine. That's what we're going to go after today. Is everybody good with that? About four of you. I say, everybody good with that? All right, good. Because this is what I know. I've heard this argument thrown out to me many times before. I had a person tell me one time that the Bible says that homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
And he was saying that, and he was referencing a scripture that you see in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And so what I did, I went home, and I, I started to, to read through my Bible, and I got to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And you know what I started to realize is that the list is a whole lot longer than just homosexuals, okay? I just want you to understand something. We're going to read it together. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. If you're ready for God's word, say, I'm ready. All right, here we go. This is what the Bible says. It says this, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Real quick, aren't we all in that boat right now? Anybody, if you're not in that boat right now, Jesus, I'm glad you're here. Come on, somebody, right? Just glad you're here. We, we've all done something wrong. We've all, hey, no, all wrongdoers, anybody that does wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God. Watch what he says. Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or are greedy people or are drunkards or are abusive or cheap people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Come on, y'all. That's a list right and if I had to be honest guess what I would just guess if all of us in this room would be honest I think our name would appear under one or two or maybe three of those categories of what I just listed just a second ago but what I want you to understand the powerful thing about what Paul wrote right here in first Corinthians chapter 6 is the very next verse and this is what I just want to preach for just a second it's what it says in verse 11 it says some of you were once like that Right? Is there anybody that was once like that? Right? Is there anybody that says, you know what? That's who I used to be. You want some of you, you were once like that, but somebody shout, but. That's a big but in the Bible right there, right? But you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. See, this is what I know according to what Paul is telling us right there is that you and I are not going to heaven because of our work. It has everything to do with the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, right? That you and I, we are not, we're not saved because of our behavior. No, we're saved because of what Jesus has done for us, right? And I'm so thankful for that. And the problem I feel like within the Christian community for so long is that we have stopped using the Bible as a mirror, which, the, which James, the half-brother of Jesus, writes it as. Right? He says, hey, the Bible is a mirror. We stopped using it as a mirror and instead, like, to look at ourselves, to look back at us, and instead we started to use it as a window to look at the lives of other people. We started looking through it as a window. What begins to happen, the Bible is giving us standards for us to live by, and yet we're using it as stones to throw at other people who are perceived to be not as good as we are. Now think about this. The problem with this approach, I want us to understand, is that when we see the Bible as a window rather than a mirror, what we begin to do is we minimize our own sin and we maximize the sin of other people. It's what begins to happen. And only in the church can somebody say, well, thank God I'm not gay. Meanwhile, they're taking naked pictures of themselves and sending them to people that they're not married to. We're going to have some church today, okay? Y'all just get ready. Y'all didn't know what you're walking into today, okay? This is going to get even hotter in a second, okay? So we're going to talk about it. Everybody okay with that? We're going to talk about it. We're going to be the church that actually does talk about it, okay? And so I just think it's so important that we all just start on the same page here. I, I want us to know, guess what? I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. Is there anybody else in the room that has made mistakes before, right? 
But I try every single day to follow Jesus. And this is what I know as a follower of Jesus. I don't just follow Jesus because of what he said. Like, listen to me. Don't get me wrong. Jesus said a lot of incredible things, okay? Said a lot of incredible, awesome things. But there have been a lot of people along the way that have said some pretty good stuff that you and I may be able to build our life on. And maybe we would be good moral people if that was the case. But the reason I follow Jesus is not just because of what he said, but it's because of what he did. And I'm specifically speaking to the fact that he resurrected and defeated hell, death, sin, and the grave. That Jesus is the only person in history that has faced death and has beat it. Like God didn't just deliver him from death. No, God delivered Jesus through death. Come on, somebody, right? He was crucified, he was buried, and now he is risen. And if you go over to the Middle East and you go to Israel, there's kind of this debate that's going on over there of where did actually Jesus, his body, where was it actually placed whenever he went inside the tomb? Some people say it's the garden tomb. I've seen a picture of it. I'm like, oh man, to go over there and see that, boy, it'd be just so good. And then other people are kind of uh, debating about it's at this church of the Holy Sepulcher. Like that's maybe where Jesus was buried uh, for a few days. So some people say he was buried here. Some people say that he was buried there. And I just got to thinking, you know what? Jesus is so alive, he's emptied two graves. Come on, somebody, right? It don't even matter. Like, nobody's arguing whether or not he got out of the grave. No, Jesus is alive, right? And that's the reason, the reason why that's a big deal for us. The reason why that's such a big deal and why it matters is because in Jesus there is hope. In Jesus there is healing. In Jesus there is restoration. In Jesus there is grace. In Jesus there is the power to overcome everything that this world may throw at you and I. Because in Christ we can face anything. Is there anybody thankful for Jesus? Come on, on a Sunday can we give him some praise? I just want us to understand. So this is what I want you to know. We follow Jesus because of what he did, right? But let me show you something. We say because Jesus did what he did, I think we should take what he said as important. And I would just say the most important, right? Because Jesus did what he did, I think we should look at what Jesus said and take it as the most important. And so we're going to look at that, especially when it comes to this idea of sexuality, and this is what I know is that we can't approach, as followers of Jesus, we can't approach what Jesus said as a buffet where we just pick and choose what we want to hear. No, we have to approach it as the fact that this is what Jesus serves. It's just our job to eat. All right, so we're going to look at what the Bible has to say. What did Jesus have to say when it comes to this topic of sexuality? I want us to talk about it. Matthew chapter 9, 19, verses 4. This is what Jesus said. He says, hey, haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied, they record that from the very beginning, God made them male and female. That he created, or he explains, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined with his wife, and the two are united into one. Watch what he says, since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. And so as Jesus is clarifying right here in Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6, he is telling you and I that marriage is between a man and a woman. One man and one woman joined together, united as one. So according to Jesus, the one that paid for our sin, the one that went to the cross, the one that did what he did, he said that marriage is between a man and a woman, and he offered no exceptions to that. 
And I just want us to understand the marriage that I believe in, the marriage that we will affirm, the marriage that we will support for the rest of our life is a marriage that Jesus supported between one man and one woman. Listen to me, politics don't play a role in that. Like, like money doesn't play a role in that. The one who paid for my sins defined it, and Jesus defined it clearly. And so I don't think there's any room for exceptions there. And I want us to understand something. I'll just kind of break it down a little bit further for you because before you may tune me out right now, don't do that yet. Stay checked in for just a second. Let me define it a little bit more. See, I want us to understand, and I'm going to use this big whiteboard, and I'm a terrible teacher because I talk way too much and just am ADHD, but y'all just go with me. Everybody good? All right, so I want us to understand something really fast. Is like, can you imagine for just a second, if you can imagine that, that, that this box right here is a box... That's a box, yeah, 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 I'm good, I got a good little square going on, right? So inside this box, I want you to understand, this is the boundary, okay? This is the boundary that God has created. I want to see that this box is there, okay, so anything that's inside this box is safe, it's okay, it's the boundary. Anything outside of this box, I want you to understand, leads to regret, leads to pain, leads to death. Like if I can just tell Conley, hey Conley, this is the boundary line at our house, right? You do not need to go anywhere past this. You don't need to let your sisters go anywhere past this. You don't need to let your little brother go anywhere past this. Like this is the boundary. I want you to stay within this boundary. And if you do, I promise you, it's going to be life-giving. It's going to be good. It's going to be healthy for you. But if you go outside of that, you're going to die. Okay, like like, not really, but like, okay. So, so, so what I want us to understand really quick, this idea, I, I don't think I'm an unloving father because I defined the boundaries, right? If Conley had no idea where she needed to go, then I would be an unloving father. But I defined the boundaries for her. And so I, I think God is the exact same way when it comes to relationships for us. That This is a boundary line that God stays in. And this I want you to understand according to what Jesus had to say that in this box, this safe zone, we have this thing called marriage, right? Got this thing called marriage. And if you look at what Jesus was saying, that's between one man and one woman. I always heard, you know, like Adam and Eve in the Bible, you know, whenever like, like he didn't know what to name, like he didn't know what, like he was a man, obviously. And when Jesus brought this naked woman out in front of him, he was like, whoa, man. And that's where woman came from. So, <laughs> sorry. So, so, sorry. So can we get some spirit keys right now? That'd be great. So marriage is between man, one man, and a woman. Okay, so a husband and a wife. Okay? That's what Jesus defined it as. Within this boundary, this is holy. Within this boundary, this is sacred. And then, just happens to throw in there something that God came up with. Sex. Okay? I want to throw that out there because I want you to understand that sex is from God, that God created it for good and has given us everything that is good, right? I think about this idea of like, aren't you glad that God gives good gifts, right? Isn't anybody, is anybody thankful for the gift of taste? Come on, somebody, right? Like God could have made everything taste like tree bark, but he didn't, right? Because last night your boy had a brownie batter blizzard, and we know that's straight from the throne room of heaven, right? Right? Man, I'm thankful for taste. It's a gift. 
It is a gift from God. I want you to understand that sex is a gift from God. Okay, And Jesus right here in this passage of scripture confirms that sex is a gift from God, not for identity, but for intimacy between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife within the boundary of marriage. Okay, And so I want to answer a few questions for us when you come in asking, what if I'm attracted to the opposite sex? What about homosexuality? Question number one we're going to answer, is it wrong? You're going to ask this question. People are asking this. I want to just clarify. Jesus said that sex is reserved for a man and a woman within the context of marriage. And watch this. Watch this. Anything outside of this box right here, anything outside of this detaches us from the plan that God has for us. It detaches us from that. And I want you to understand that I am not singling out homosexuality by saying this. I want you to understand, I'm not singling it out. I want you to know that I'm saying anything outside of this boundary of marriage. Anything. Anything. Somebody say anything. Anything Anything outside that boundary. Listen to me. I'm saying a guy and a girl that aren't married but you're hooking up. Men and women that are addicted to pornography like I talked about last week. A man or a woman that's involved in an affair with a co-worker at at, at your work or at the gym. Like, here's what I want us to understand. Pursuit of anything outside of this right here for pleasure, I want you to understand, is not God-honoring. And it is wrong. But again, that's not just limited to homosexuality. I want us to see that. I want us to understand that. Because inside this box right here is sexual purity. Inside this box, inside this context of a marriage between one man and one woman, a husband and a wife, and sex happens, guess what I want you to understand? That is how God created it. That's how God defines it. And some of you, uh, some people may have said, well, that's boring. Well, you ain't doing it right. Come on, somebody. But that's for another series. Not today, okay? Not today. But I want us to understand, this is what Jesus defined as okay. This is the, this is, this is the boundary for you and I. And I want us to know anything outside of that, anything, pursuing anything outside of this boundary is, is against what God wants for you, and it is sin. And I want us to understand that, okay, maybe you're here and you're, you struggle, maybe you're from the gay or lesbian community, you're bisexual, and you really do have feelings for the same-sex attraction, and you may be thinking, Dustin, you hooked me in, man, you told me like you loved me, and you cared for me, and then you threw a right hook, and now you're just closed-minded, and here's what I want to tell you, I, I, I want you to know that, as I said at the beginning of today, that you matter to God, you matter to this church, and you matter to me, and you may be asking this question, hey, What if I'm attracted to the same sex? What if this is me? What do I do if this is me? And there's a couple things that we hear along the way that you and I probably have heard it from a friend or maybe you've struggled with it before and you're saying something like this. Hey, you know what? I was born this way. It's one of those things that's thrown out there. And I would just say, you know what my response would be to you? Absolutely you were. Absolutely you were. You know why? I have no problem with you saying that you were born that way. You know why? Because I was born with a desire to run after every lustful thought that is not my wife inside of me when I was born. I was born that way. I was born to go after anything that would just require like some pleasure for me that was outside of God's design. That's the way I was born. It's called this thing called sin. 
And all of us are born into this thing called sin. Listen, nobody had to teach our little babies how to sin, okay? Like Everly threw a fit yesterday at the soccer field, y'all. I'm talking clawing, scratching, trying to bite like a little tiger. I'm just telling y'all, I didn't have to teach that little girl how to do that. You know why? Because it's all inside of us. When we walk into this world, when we're born into this world, like we're all born this way. And I think the church for so long has said that if you're struggling with homosexuality, that if you would just get saved, you would never have the desire again and again, and that is just not the case. Because I want you to understand something. If you're a married man in this room, you've been saved and you're married, I do believe that, guess what? That, that just because you were saved and married in the intermediate, guess what? Like the sin and the lust problem in your heart and mind for other women did not go away immediately. That it is still there. You may deal actually with those feelings for the rest of your life. That kind of gets me to the next thing is this idea. A lot of times people may say, you know, I was born this way or, or my feelings are just so strong. I feel so strongly that this type of behavior is okay. Why why would I have these feelings and why would they be so strong if I wasn't able to fulfill these feelings? And I understand that that argument because a few weeks ago I was driving down to Nashville. How many of y'all know to drive into Nashville, just get ready for some traffic? Come on, somebody, right? And I'll just be honest. As I'm in my vehicle, I'm actually in Gammy's vehicle, uh, Allie's mom's, I'm driving down the road, and there is this one truck. Come on, how many of y'all know that like, if somebody passes you, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm going with them, all right? Like that, they ain't going to pass me. I don't care if I'm in a Jeep, minivan, it don't matter. Like I'm, I'm going with you, and you ain't passing me, okay? And uh, they were on my tail for a while. They started passing me. Traffic is bad. They're weaving and stopping and bobbing and, I mean, doing all kinds of stuff in front of me. And I'm just going to be honest. Your pastor, being honest before you today, guess what? I felt a little bit unholy in that moment, okay? I'm just going to be real honest. I didn't have any good feelings towards them. I really wanted to just kind of just, just ram them in Jesus' name. You know what I'm saying? Just, mm, bless you. Have a good day, all right? I felt that way. Right? I felt like anybody ever been there before. Come on, don't leave me hanging by myself up here in this place, right? I felt that way. I felt that way that day. But here's what I know. Just because I had the feeling did not make it right. Just because I had that feeling. And we have to be very careful when we use feelings to legitimize or justify our behavior. Because this is what I know is that God's facts will always trump the way that I feel. And I want us to know that. I'm not saying that you don't feel a certain way by being attracted to the opposite or the same sex. I'm not saying that that feeling isn't strong. I'm saying that God designed sexual purity for inside this box and anything outside of that, pursuing it, is a sin, is wrong. Again, no matter how much you and I feel it. And I want us to know, I, I, think, I, I think we got to realize that, you know what, the feelings may be there. But here's the thing. Again, inside this box is, is, is healing and restoration. And man, this is holy before God. And I want you to know something. May, uh, again, let's pursue sexual purity when it comes to asking this question. And again, anything outside of this is not pursuing sexual purity. Again, you're single. Not at, you know what that means? If you're pursuing sexual purity, you're not having sex with anybody else because you're not married, because you're not a man and a woman inside of marriage, inside of covenant. Like, this, this is holy. I want you to understand that. Maybe if you're married again, 
You know how you pursue sexual purity? It's sex with the one person of the opposite sex that you are married to. It's not pornography. It's not hooking up with a girl at the office. It's none of that, okay? So I'm just I'm trying to challenge all of us today because, again, anything outside of that box, no matter how we feel, it's not what Jesus said is right or the gift that he promised. That make sense? This means yes in Kentucky. Come on, you ain't got to say a lot. I know it's uncomfortable, but just do like this. Okay, good. Uh, okay, what do I do if this is me? I, I think the third idea that we hear a lot of times is this idea of tolerance. It's this idea of tolerance. And if you say anything that may disagree with somebody else that struggles with homosexuality, gay, lesbian, community, then you're labeled as intolerant, hate-filled. And I would just hope that as you, if that's you today and you know somebody, or if you, if you struggle with it yourself, I hope that you would hear the heart of our church and the heart of us today that would say, you know what, like, like I, I hope you haven't felt any hate at all from me. I hope you haven't felt any hate at all because, again, God loves you, this church loves you, and I love you. And this is what I want you to understand. Tolerance does not mean that we have to agree on everything. It's not what tolerance means. Tolerance has become, unless you think like me, act like me, talk like me, agree with me, and totally support what I'm doing, then you're intolerant and a hate-filled person. But the problem with this argument of tolerance is that a person becomes intolerant when the other person doesn't tolerate the fact that someone else doesn't tolerate what they do. Right? Ultimately, the argument ends itself. I think there's different kinds of tolerance. There's, there's a couple things I heard a pastor say one time. There's a couple different types of, uh, of tolerance. Legal tolerance, social tolerance, and intellectual tolerance. Like legal tolerance is obviously legally what can we tolerate. You know, obviously if, if you want to go and put Coke in the gas can of your car, okay? Like, like legally there's, I mean, there, there's no charge that I could be like, that's, you know, okay. No, you shouldn't be doing that, okay? Like, like, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sue you for doing No, no, no. There's no legal tolerance there. Social tolerance, yo, I can accept you for putting coke in your gas can. Like, that's cool. Like, I understand that. I get, I, if that's something that you think might work, okay? But then there's intellectual tolerance. And again, this idea of intellectual tolerance says, you know what? I just don't think that the coke is going to run your gas, your, your car in the proper way. Because that's not what the car was designed to run on. And I think that we have to have this exact same thought and this exact same idea when it comes to this idea of sexuality. I love you, and, but I, here's the thing. We don't have to agree on everything, and, and that doesn't change the fact that I love you. Does not change the fact that I love you. I think a lot of times what happens is, is we think, oh, you got to be tolerant. You got to be okay with people doing that. And again, would I be a loving dad to Conley if I was okay watching her run out into a street where she might get hit by a car? I wouldn't be a loving dad if I didn't say something to her, if I didn't warn her about that. And I love you, but guess what? We don't have to agree on everything. Because what I've discovered a lot of times is that people living outside of this box right here, are not looking for acceptance, they're actually looking for approval. And this is what I know about that. I can accept you because guess what? Jesus has accepted all, all of us. He's accepted every one of us. But here's the thing, I cannot approve of what you're doing because Jesus never approved of sin. Okay? And so it has nothing to do with hate. It has everything to do with loving God and loving you. And here's what I know about everybody in this room. I think all of us across this room, everyone, whether you're gay, straight, Christian, non-Christian, I think all of us would agree that we all have had regrets. 
Right, that we've all had mistakes that have happened. There's some section of your life that you wish you could go back and you could redo over. Come on, is there anybody in the room that says, hey, that's me? Come on, wave at me. Yeah, I think all of us do. And I think if we're just being honest, I would happen, if I was a betting man, I would say, you know what, probably three-fourths of us in the room, somehow, some way, that ties back to a sexual sin in our life. I know from my own personal story, as I told you last week, I mean, a lot of the regrets that I have in my life are tied to that season where I felt so addicted to pornography. And I think a lot of us, if we're just being really honest, it kind of goes back to that. And again, I want us to understand, I know that anything outside of this box destroys lives and destroys families, but I also know who Jesus is. Right, and this is what I know about Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4 Verse 14, this is what he says. He says, therefore, somebody shout, therefore. therefore. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, watch what it says, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. You know what faith is to me? Faith is this idea that, God, I'm going to believe you even though I'm feeling another way. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to choose your word and what your word has to say over the way that I'm actually feeling. Because this is what the Bible goes on to say, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every single way, just as you are. So look at me really quick. Question is this. Is being tempted a sin? Yes or no? Not a trick question. Jesus never sinned and he was tempted in every way. Is being tempted a, a, a sin? No. I want you to understand that being tempted is not a sin. No, being tempted is not a sin. Acting upon that temptation is the sin. Okay, I want us to get that. I want everybody in this room, though, to focus on this one part of this verse right here that I want us to all get. Jesus was tempted in every way. Somebody say every way. There is not a temptation that you and I face that Jesus didn't face. I want that to sink in for just a second. Right, let, that, let that sink in for you. I don't know what you walked in here with. Maybe you are asking this question, what if I'm struggling with homosexuality? What if I'm attracted to the same sex? Maybe you walked in here with other sexual sin. Maybe you walked in here with a past. Maybe you walked in here. I want you to understand what does the Bible say right there? One who's been tempted in every way, just as you and I are. And what's the Bible say? Yet he did not sin. Yet he did not sin. Here's what I know though, is that if you and I are pursuing Jesus, we're not going to try and pursue ways that get us outside of this box. So what I want us to understand, we got to be devoted. We, we got to not be detached. And that sometimes means fighting like heck against the feelings that are legitimate and strong on the inside of our life. Watch what the Bible says, verse 16. It says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we can receive mercy, not judgment and condemnation, but mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, listen to me. You're here today and you're living in some sort of sexual immorality. If you will turn to Jesus, you receive grace and mercy to help you in your time of need, right? 
And maybe you're hearing you say, bro, this doesn't, uh, this doesn't affect me at all. But the question you may be asking is, hey, how do I love a friend that, that's gay? How do I love somebody that identifies themselves as, as struggling with homosexuality? And this is what I want us to all understand. As a fellow sinner, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. You know what that means? Number one, do not judge. I'm going to throw it out there to you. Don't judge. I don't mean that you give up on your conviction. I do not mean that at all. I mean our relationship with them must not be contingent upon whether they agree with us or not. You can agree and lose the relation. Like you can win the argument and lose the relationship, and I think you've lost. And I want to challenge some of us today. Listen, here's what I want to encourage you. I think the church... Hear me say this with everything I've got. I think the church ought to be the safest place on the planet for someone to come and say that they struggle with same-sex attraction. You know why? Because sinners were always safe exposing themselves to Jesus. They were always safe. Doesn't mean that we agree. Doesn't mean that we consent. Just means that we never turn away. We never stop loving. And we never stop drawing them close. What if I do? What I do if I have somebody I know that struggles with this lifestyle? Number two, love them enough to tell them the truth. You got to love them enough to tell them the truth. Just like Paul did right there in 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, the, the very beginning of what we read today, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Sorry, my mind's all over the place. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I, I have to love, like in love, I have to warn you against something that's going to keep you from the joy that God offers you. I think somebody asked me one time, what, well, what if one of your kids comes to you and says they struggle with same-sex attraction? And I, 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 it's a great question. I think here's what I would, I would say as a response to that is, you know what, I, I, would, I, would, I would try to explain, let's just say it's my son, I try to explain to my son, listen, buddy, daddy, daddy is, is a man that, that has a lot of things that he's done wrong. Daddy has a lot, of, but the, but the, the level, the, the crown at the foot of the cross is all the same. If you will come to him and you will submit those desires, you will submit those things that, that are far from God, that he's faithful and just to forgive him. But I'm going to tell him, you know what? The Bible says that that's wrong. The Bible says that that's against what is, what is holy, what it was created for. But that doesn't mean I stop loving my son. It doesn't mean I stop, I push my son away. I say, you know what? We're gonna. I'm, I'm gonna tell you. I love you enough to tell you this is what the Bible says. And it may be hard for me to tell you that, but it's this is what the Bible says. See, when we push someone away after speaking the truth, I think we failed to represent our Savior. But when we say it's all good, when it's not, we failed in our responsibility to be faithful stewards of God's word. I just want to challenge some of us. Love them enough to tell them the truth. And the last thing, you know what? How do, how do I love a friend that's gay? Just listen. Show them a greater love. Show them a greater love. The love that we need is not love from another human. It is the love from God. That we're all slaves to sin. That we're all born into sin. But only the love of God sets us free. And I think, and I know I'm over time, but this right here most clearly is illustrated in John chapter 8. 
It's a woman caught in deep sexual sin was brought to the feet of Jesus. And they're saying, hey, she needs to die. She needs to be stoned. She needs to be killed. And Jesus says, okay, the law, I know what the law says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so anybody who's without the first sin, cast the first stone. And one by one, they all begin to leave until it's just Jesus and this woman left. And guess what? The one who had never had a sin could have casted the first stone. But what did he do in verse 11? He says, hey, listen, where are your accusers? Neither do I condemn you. But watch this. He doesn't just say, oh, you're good. Go get back in bed with the dude that you came from. He says, no, no, no. Go and sin no more. That I want us to understand this church is a place. It is okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. That God is wanting better for you. That God is wanting more for you. This is Jesus not telling her to keep being in sin. He was telling her repent of it. And he was telling her to change, not in order to be accepted, but change because he had accepted her. And I want to challenge some of us in here. God's acceptance of you is not based on the right desires. Your acceptance is based on Jesus' work on your behalf. And God says to you and I, as he says to this woman, I have never stopped loving you, not in your darkest moment or your darkest desire. On the cross, I took everything about you that made you unacceptable, and I died for it. And Jesus' last words on the cross were not, hey, go fix yourself no they were it is finished and if you will put your trust in Jesus and you will say you know what I'm following after you I can't follow after Jesus and pursue sin at the same time and so I'm gonna pursue Jesus with everything I've got and I'm gonna keep my eyes focused on him and when you believe in what he did we begin to realize that in him you are saved in him you are washed in him you are accepted in him you are set apart in him you are justified and in him your debt is paid in full our message is not simply stop sexual sin our message is this look to Jesus and if you will fix your eyes on him I promise the lure of sin that's out there will not look near as good as the glory of the one that you're looking at and it will change your life if you'll put your faith and trust in Him. And I just want to challenge some of us today. Maybe you're struggling with something today. Come on, the foot of the cross is all level. And I just want to just ask you, would you bring that to Him today? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room? And I've taken a little bit more time than I, I needed to, but I'm going to just give you the opportunity just to respond to the gospel today. This gospel message is a message that you and I are not made right because of what we do or how we act. We're not accepted to Jesus because of what we do. We're accepted with Jesus because of what Jesus did on the cross. And maybe you're here and you have never put your faith and trust in the finished work of what Jesus did on the cross. If that's you, I just want to give you a chance to respond to that today. Would you say something like this inside of you? First of all, you need to realize that we're all sinners, that we've all messed up, that we've all fallen short, that that sin, the struggle, that that sin of homosexuality that maybe you're dealing with, that sin of sexual immorality, that, that, that thing of lying and drunkenness and all those things that were listed out, guess what? Somebody had to pay for them. 
It says, but once you were like that, you have the opportunity today, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, to be once like that. And this may be you in this room, and you realize, you know what, our sin, it separates us from God, and there is nothing that we can do about it on our own. But the only thing that you and I have the ability to even do is to say yes to what Jesus has done on the cross. Say yes to the fact that he went to a cross and he died for you and I. And he gave a payment, for a perfect payment, that you and I wouldn't have to pay for our sins apart from God for forever. Like, like he gave us the option. He gave us the opportunity to be in relationship with him. And so maybe you're here and you've never done that today. Listen, I want to give you that opportunity to respond to the gospel today. The Bible tells us that if we will declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we will believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you and I will be saved. I was born that way. Absolutely, I was. That's why it's so important to be born again. Maybe you're here and today's that day for you to do that. Give your life to Jesus. Would you pray something like this? It doesn't have to be word for word, but would you just mean it in your heart? Would you say, dear Jesus, I believe what you did on the cross paid for my sin. I put my faith and trust in you. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for dying in my spot. Thank you that you got out of the grave. And I put my full weight into your arms today. I put my full life to you. I give my, my heart to you. And I ask you to save me today. Maybe you're here. Maybe you prayed something like that. Maybe you prayed it word for word, but you meant it in your heart. If that's you and you did that, I want you to understand something. That you just made the greatest decision that you could ever make in your entire life. And the Bible tells us that when one person comes into a relationship with Jesus, that all of heaven parties at that one decision. Whether it's one, whether it's 50, whether it's 100, there is a party going on in heaven. And I just ask that heaven would come down to earth a little bit right here in the middle of Purpose Church in just a second. Because we're going to celebrate the fact that, that if it was one, if it was 10, however many just came into a relationship with Jesus. I love that so much. And maybe you're here and you just said yes to Jesus. I want to ask you, would you tell somebody about the greatest decision that you've ever made? This love that's greater than any love that you'll ever imagine anywhere else. That you made that decision to say yes to Jesus today. Would you tell somebody? You can let us know. We would love to know. we got some people up here at the end of service. Our prayer team over to my right, your left, that would love to know that. Love to give you a Bible. Even a new believer's God saying, hey, this is, I know you got questions. I know you got some things coming up. Like, like yo, here, here's some incredible next steps for you. And uh, if, if that's one way you want to let us know, another way that you could do that is all you got to do is text the word PURPOSE, P-U-R-P-O-S-E, to the number 270-229-6488. You can let somebody know in here. You can let somebody know at the Connect table out there. Or you can let us know by texting that right there. If you do that, man, we'd love to follow up with you. Love to have a great week with you. But just saying, hey, how can we come alongside of you? How can we help you in this new relationship with Jesus? And I want to give just a second invitation today. Maybe you're in here and there's something in your life. It doesn't have to be homosexuality. It doesn't have to be the struggle of, of anything sexual. But you have a sin that just you keep going back to instead of keeping your eyes focused on Jesus. If you would just be honest enough in this room just to say, Hey, you know what? I'm struggling in this area. Would you just pray for me? Would you just pray for me? If you would just lift your hand up and you would drop it back down. All you got to do is just say, Hey, that's me. Doesn't have to be in the area of sexuality or homosexuality or whatever, any area of your life. That's me. 
see some hands all across this room. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for my friends that just said yes to a relationship with Jesus. But not only that, some people in this room that just were really honest and said, hey, you know what? I've got some things in my life I'm working through that I keep going back to. And God, I just pray we commit those to you today. That we wouldn't walk out of this place the same that we came in. And we would walk out cleansed, renewed, fired up to go out to make a difference for you, King Jesus. We love you. Jesus, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for who you are. Since Jesus is all awesome, powerful, mighty, incredible name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thank you so much again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps out so much. For more content and information, head over to ourpurpose.church. We love you guys and hope you have a great week on purpose.